Slingers. Welcome to the Roll the Hard 20 podcast. This is your host, Brian, and with me today is... Koosh. Koosh. Who plays... Right now I'm playing Odric, who is um, a Reaper, and he's not very good at his job. Uh, he's a junior associate Reaper. He's got two little dings to explain how he's not quite up to snuff. But we're having fun playing this game, though, and I mean... Mike's been doing a great job at being a DM, and I really like how he's taken this adventure for us. But I would just want to ask you a few questions so we could have our listeners kind of get an understanding of of who we are and and the people that we are, not just playing the game, but the people that are behind the characters that you'll be listening to. So how long have you been playing D&D for? I have not been playing D&D for very long, actually. I've been playing for about three years now, and I kind of got into it looking to do some stuff that I hadn't really done in a long time. Uh, So back in, back in the prime years in which I should have been playing D and D I was, I was uh, making movies with friends and I think I stumbled upon a podcast a few years ago and I realized that it was a lot of the same stuff. You like get together, you make characters and you start sort of making scenes. Only with them, they're like, Got the opportunity to record, which is kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah. But you, you run a game at work, too, though, don't you? you I do run one? a game. I started running a game a year and a half ago. So I kind of got my feet wet at, uh, at our table and a few tables before that. And then I figured I think it's time to go ahead and give it a shot. And so I run a table uh, with a few of my coworkers. Because we've been we've been gaming together on the same table for almost two years now, so it was shortly after we started gaming. You yeah, it was, started it was about like six months after. Oh, so no. it's not okay, that's not cool. that long after. This is we currently play the fifth edition, um, but it's like a really easy edition to DM. I think the hardest yes. part is is just the challenge rating that they give the monsters. It's still kind of like I a still learning struggle curve. with challenge yeah. rating. Like I, it's so hard to find out like a good challenge rating to make sure you're. Players are interested and in not like totally slaying everything that comes across their way. So, what has through the years that you've been playing it? Then, what has D and D come to mean to you, though? Like, Oof, that's tough. Um, it's so many things, right? I think that's true for a lot of people. It's like this for like it's the main way that I interact with you guys. Yeah, who that's are, true. I believe are good friends of mine now, um, and it's also. It's a, it's a huge creative outlet for a ton of people, and um, it's just fun. It's, you, it's so fun that you always schedule and set aside time to do it. Yeah, I, like you're saying, as far as like bringing people together, because I think it brings together people from different walks of life that normally wouldn't say something to each other on the, on the side of the road if they were walking on a sidewalk mm-hmm. or something. Because like you know you got Eric he he works at a warehouse you know hauling around crates of <laughs> wine and I work on cars and you work for a very reputable company and Junior, who everybody will meet later on he works for with the same company I work and Mike he's in the computers and it's just like different breeds of people and Jessica yeah. she's a waitress you know so yeah it's it's great like I don't think I would have probably met any of you guys unless I played Dungeons and Dragons so. It's super awesome that it like brings all of us together. Yeah, and it's funny because you work at the company that my one of my best friends works at, and I would probably never have even seen you had I not played with you first. Yeah, and so. I would have never met your friend even though we're yeah, at the that, same place. You know? That's funny, yeah. So 
who brought you to the game first? I mean, was it just something that you you were like, hey, I want to do this? or? Uh... So I had a friend of mine who really wanted to get into D&D. Uh, and he hooked us all up with a podcast to try to listen, see what it's about. And I got really into it. A few of us got into it. We tried to run a game uh, and we kind of fell apart after like five sessions. And before uh, I knew it, I still wanted, uh, it was over and I still wanted to play. So I went out and I just went to comic book shops until I found a table I liked. It's funny because the shop that we were playing at before we we moved here, they weren't doing anything. And, uh, and I kept trying and trying. And then one day I went by just to see if, if they had anything on their bulletin board. And it was completely gone. And I had asked them, hey, you guys do D&D? And they said that, yeah, we, we do do it every Wednesday. And I was like, well, right on. So I just jumped on that table. And that's when John was DMing. But Yeah. So we've been we've been together for almost two years now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, lovely. Are you, are you still with the previous group that you'd had or that you're running right now? Are you still with that? Oh, yeah. The other group that I play with, I'm still with them right now. Uh, we don't really progress through stories as fast as our table because we're, we're super cool. And we get to meet like every every week. Um, and But my other table that I run, I meet, we run it like every other Tuesday. And then we might miss a Tuesday here and there. That's uh, the hardest is the consistency. And that was one thing that yeah. we wanted to do when we were putting our group, making sure... Oh, yeah. We put our group together that the consistency was there so we could have the material to put out. Yeah. So, and I, in fact, I went to each person at our table to make sure because we <laughs> gelled so well. It was just a matter of moving up the road, you know, per se. And then, like, I feel like the quality goes up so much when you're able to meet every week. Like, every, if you skip a week, even at our table, it's, like, sometimes it's hard to, like, get back into it. You you have so much more to remember. Right. And so you waste some time going through that. And, and I had that problem with my group that I was running um, a couple of years ago, actually, is that we would meet, like, once a month or once every five weeks, six <laughs> weeks, and that even wasn't enough. And then it started stretching out to every two months and three months, and then after yeah. a while, it's... You're no longer stringing this campaign together. You're just putting together one shots and just filling a yeah. few hours. And it, you know, it, to me, that's not fulfilling enough. No, it, it might get you a small fix, but it's like I love playing D and D. It's like a yeah. huge way of my life. So, what do you prefer, uh, play, being a player or a DM? Oof, it's hard, right? Um, part of the reason my table meets every other Tuesday is because I don't want to be spending all that time preparing. It's, it's a lot of work to be the DM. Uh, but I think I really love DMing. I'm not that great at it yet. Uh, cause obviously I'm still learning. This is like, this, it's my first campaign to, to run. but there's also a lot of satisfaction in just being a player and getting to chill and just sling jokes and quips with, uh, with your buds. Yeah, I mean, I think that like being a DM, regardless of the edition, I think that the DM is just the DM. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could put them in the in second edition or fourth edition or fifth edition mm-hmm. or old basic. It's just a matter of, of getting an idea of the mechanics and how they're working in this new edition. But outside of that, it's just like, okay, I have the story I want to tell. I have yeah. this castle or this dungeon or this old prison or whatever. And this is what I want to be in that place and this is the scenario i want to present to people and have them go through it and yeah like putting together the monsters 
for fifth edition until I, till I get the full grasp of it. Like I've had to modify their, their challenge rating to mm-hmm. modify their AC and their, their hit points and their damage output and their, their abilities and stuff like that because I don't want them to be walked over, but I also don't want them <laughs> just to be slaughtering PCs left and right. You know, one of the worst things you could say is like, okay, welcome to my campaign create two characters that's character creation you know because it's like yeah that's there's it's no like, there's no better way to make sure your your players are not connected to their character than to say please make two yeah exactly <laughs> i don't, i want you to to really feel for this these two characters but not enough where uh we can slow down a little you know but so on to characters or whatever uh what is the hardest race or class you've ever ran race or, uh as as a player yes as a player that's a good question. I didn't think about it as a DM. Yeah, like because some sometimes uh, races can be problematic. Uh, as a DM. Oh yeah. Have, yeah. You, have you read like the Arakrokra whatever stuff? I haven't, but I with the fifth edition, I had never experienced as a DM dealing with a druid until Mike ran a druid. Oh yeah. And I was like, he just created. He did the the heat metal to the brain in the jar and like cooked one of my mini bosses. You know, right there, it, it, it was just taking damage every round. And yeah, I, it's it's always hard to run spellcasters because if you if you aren't on top of knowing what spells they know, the player will surprise you and it's going to like ruin ruin whatever you had set up. Um, but so if you're not familiar with Arakokra, they uh, yeah the, the the winged yeah. So if, I mean, if they don't, aren't wearing heavy armor, they can fly at level one. <laughs> uh, so it's a it's a, it's a little bit problematic. Uh, in a campaign, but um, as a player, hmm, I think I I played a tiefling for a while, and it's it was hard to not sort of just try to get to go into the edgy kind of thing where it's kind of like I don't know it just feels sort of bland, right? Because they have this whole upbringing of like yeah, being part, beings, yeah, yeah, infernal heritage, and you like if you go too far down that path it's kind of just like you you've you've seen this character before right like our group now yeah so it's like <laughs> it i always struggle with uh audric as a as a reaper and i that's part of the reason why i took more of a like uh not not entirely comedic but a more like light-hearted take he's not uh he's not too serious about his job i think i think it's funny how four out of the five of us put together these darker characters without conferring with one another oh, prior yeah. to it. Yeah. And we just kind of just brought these people that that are kind of all more about themselves, but not so selfish that they're not willing to help each other out. Oh, but, yeah. But they don't hesitate at the expense of innocent civilians to get what they need. I mean, sometimes at the expense of each other, but not very often. Well, yeah, no, it's not very often. I mean, <laughs> it, it, if we if we feel that we could resurrect them later on or heal them on the back, on the back and that's fine, but yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. We're we're not too concerned in the in the moment if if we think everything's going to be fine. Now this is a this is a question that I, I considered through the years and everything. But have you ever had a troubled player at your table? And if you have, what was what's been your solution with dealing with somebody like that? Um, I've had one troubled player, uh, and I didn't have to solve it because he left. But I think uh, his entire his entire character was about like being Tim Allen from Home Improvement. Oh. And so it just uh, it, it just didn't mesh with how everyone else was playing. And I didn't 
have to solve the problem, so I don't have a good answer for you there. Yeah, I don't. I don't think in years past I've really ever had to to be a DM with a with a bad player at the table. Mm-hmm. But I know that when we were at the table, when I wasn't running one or whatever, oh yeah, we yeah. had a few problematic co-players that eventually found homes at other tables or started their own or just yeah. moved on. And I was kind of happy about that because you know when you're going to set aside two hours of your schedule, probably more with you, when you deal with transit oh, yeah. and stuff like that. This is like a, an escape from everything else, and you just want it to be your time, and you want it to gel really well with the people mm. that you're around. And to have somebody that that bickers or, or rules lawyers or, you know, just, just wants to be I'm actually, argumentative for, for the sake of doing that, mm. you know, it's, it's kind of old. I'm actually a reformed rules lawyer. A reformed one. I'm a reformed one. Uh, no, I, which is to say, like, my inclination is to be a rules lawyer, and I fight it literally every every time we play. Because I, like, I, I see a rule going wrong, and then I was like, oh, I got, I got to fix this. It's like, and- <laughs> like Junior did one the other night. I actually edited it out of the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, he did something, and I asked him, because he didn't add, like, a certain bonus to it, and I, I had mentioned it. And he's like, no, it's, it's, well, it was already rolled or whatever. I said, all right, whatever. And I mentally took a note of the time stamp so that when I <laughs> edited it, I just, I removed it out. Cause yeah, I, yeah. you know, there's no reason to have that there, but it's like, I, yeah. I'm more easy going about that. Like times that I, I've ran tables and something we weren't certain on a rule. We had, we'd have a rule, a roll off between myself and one mm. of the players, you know, higher, higher guy wins or whatever. And then we'll look it up on the back end. You know, yeah. we'll readdress it next session or something like that because I don't want to come to a grinding halt and it's never worth it to argue. In fact, it might even be more fun to let it go through. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, let's just see what happens. You know, like I could have said, yeah, you know, the, the brain in a jar it doesn't have any metal or whatever. But I was like, that's a pretty cool idea. You know, yeah, yeah. why would I deny him something so awesome? And in fact, I think a couple of sessions later, I, I use it on somebody else, like one of the magic users. Use it on one of one of you guys, and their their armor started heating up. It was like, yeah, I think I remember that. So basically, we seem to have a, a pretty solid group with our game and everything. And yeah. When I went around and asking each member individually if they wanted to join the podcast, nobody hesitated. Everybody was was on board completely. Mm-hmm. So, as a player and a contributor to it, what are your hopes for the Roll the Hard Twenty podcast? I have I have pretty modest hopes. But I just, I really want to just reach people and have pe- people listen to the podcast and enjoy it. That's really what I've always liked about making anything in general. I want to make people laugh or smile. And I think my goal is to reach as many people that would enjoy this podcast as possible. And that's my personal hope as well as that people that listen to this in the future have as much fun listening to it as yeah. we do playing it because I know we're having a blast, you know, when we're rolling and we're screwing up and we're rolling ones <laughs> or twenties or we're saying, you know, off the wall humor or whatnot. <laughs> I want people that are listening to it through their headphones. Like I listen to other people's podcasts just to really buy into it and, and enjoy yeah. it for the 45 minutes to an hour that the sessions, you know, play out for. So, mm-hmm. well, that's all the questions I have for you this evening. Is there right. anything else you want to say? Well, is this a kind of interview where only one side asks questions? or No, it can be more if you wish. <laughs> well, I want to know how you got into D&D. Oh, well, um, in, <laughs> in 1983, actually, uh, I am 48 years old this year. A friend of mine, he, 
he came from a large family. It was a Catholic Irish family. Uh-huh. And every year they would wait till the day after Christmas to get their Christmas gifts because they had seven kids in their family. Uh-huh. So the next day after Christmas, you know, he, you know, a couple of days later, he, you know, I said, what would you get for Christmas? And he, he came to me and he said that he got the red box. Of basic. Oh, nice. Okay. So I was like, oh, you know, bring it on over to the house. I want to take a look at this. You know, I just started hearing about D&D and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he opened it up and the first thing that caught my eye were the dice. I'd never seen like a four-sided or a 20-sided. Right. And they had the crayons back then. You had to color in the, the numbers <laughs> and stuff like that. And I was I was immediately hooked. He showed me the player's guide and the dungeon master book because they, they called them different things back then. Mm-hmm. And my parents were divorced. So when my dad would pick me up every other weekend, I was telling him about this game and how awesome it was. I said, you know, uh, in fact, I kind of ran him through a scenario when we were driving and I had a little mm-hmm. Yahtzee die, a little suicide <laughs> die. I said, you know, there's a game that's kind of based on this thing. So I, I kind of coerced him to take me to the toy store and buy the first box set for me. So... I spent the whole weekend like just out of his hair and just dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple weeks later, you know, if you look on the back of the box, it says that they have an expert set too. So when he picked me up again, I was like, hey, you know, they got a second set too. So he hooked <laughs> me up with that and that's, I just started evolving from there. And it's funny because in junior high, which is for me was the seventh grade and I, I got into it. It's amazing how many people were kind of into it that you didn't know were into it. Oh yeah, it's like, it's like it's a totally secret thing. It's almost like a speakeasy at at school, you know, oh, junior yeah. high or high For school. Sure. And so I, there was this one kid. His his name was Chris, and he was. We weren't really friends, but we weren't enemies. You know, we just kind of knew of each other. And mm-hmm. I don't even know how it was brought up that he played D anD D. But when I found out he did, and he found out I did, I mean, we were like almost inseparable. And his brother was literally nine months younger than him, so his brother was <laughs> was there too and so we would all play D&D together and we'd get our other friend Rick who lived in my neighborhood at the, at the mm-hmm. time and he was into D&D as well which I didn't know at the time until later on and then we'd all started gaming together so that was my intro into it that's cool yeah and then like going off of the the fact that it's like this sort of secret sort yeah. of secret thing is like that hasn't that hasn't necessarily changed too much I find out that other people have been playing and I go, and it opens up conversations with a bunch of people they haven't spoken with before. And now, like, even, like, celebrities will come out and say, like, oh, yeah, we play D&D. Yeah, that's, that's great. I think that that's one of the biggest mainstreams that, that's beneficial for D&D mm-hmm. is that these celebrities say, yeah, I play this too, you know? Like, Junior and I, we, we work for an automotive dealership, and we were talking at the parts counter about something about it, the game and trying mm-hmm. to get this podcast evolving. And the parts guy who's around my age or whatever later on asked me, hey, you guys, were you guys talking about D&D? I said, yeah. He's like, man, I haven't played that in years. And this guy's <laughs> like a burly dude. I mean, did you see him when he came by a couple yeah, weeks ago? Yeah, yeah that's Carlos. And it's like, yeah, come on by, check it out. And, and this is before I knew that we were going to relocate to my house. And, mm-hmm. and he was actually kind of bummed because – he wanted to join the table, and I was like, "Well, you know, there are, there are other tables here that you could join, but if if somebody decides they don't want to be part of the podcast, I'll be more than happy to, to bring you on board." And then mm-hmm. I had to break it to him that everybody said that they wanted to be on board. So unless somebody else's schedule conflicts and they can't commit anymore, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have any room for it. So, and that was kind of sad, but yeah, yeah it's just amazing how 
people like in different walks of life or somebody that you would think, man, this guy, stereotypically, he would not play D&D. He's yeah. probably got the biggest set of fucking dice at home that you've never <laughs> seen, you know? So. I mean, uh, who is it? Vin Diesel, like, showed that to the world, right? He's, like, a huge D&D yeah. nerd. And I think probably a ton of people were surprised. Yeah, you know, I had actually heard a story about the guy, and I don't know how, how accurate it is, but mm-hmm. back uh, probably, like, nine years ago, there was a gaming store at the South Coast Plaza Mall, and I guess he was walking. He walked in there, and some kids were buying some some core books or whatever and he I guess he bought them for them you know oh, or, and awesome. I think that's pretty cool yeah if that's a true story you know and I hope it is <laughs> because I'd like to I'd like to think that that part of him is because he's always seems like a very generous rich you know rich in spirit uh-huh. type of guy I don't mean like monetary aspect because <laughs> mon- money should never be confused with wealth you know mm-hmm. you could have a wealth of spirit and I think that's important but yeah you know then the, you got the uh, Joe Montanel Montaneo? Montanango? Yeah. So I, I wanted to bring him up, but I didn't know how to say his last name. So. I don't know. <laughs> Joe, we're looking at We're listening to you, man. But when I heard that you were on Critical Role, I've been trying to go through some of their shows to uh, to get to that point where you're on. Because when I heard your backstory, did you hear the backstory about his I character? I didn't. And um, good luck, though, because I think he's like near the end of like the first season. Yeah. I, it's like 100-something episodes in. Yeah, it's probably going to take me a while. I should probably just shotgun it right to the end. But. <laughs> I, what he said that he did for his character arc is just amazing. I was like, that's impressive. I mean, that's very good storytelling. When does he like? Does it come out through like through gameplay, or does he like just tell you straight up what his character is about? No, it came out through gameplay. I guess from my understanding, all the people that were on the panel of Critical Role, mm-hmm. um, they didn't know what he was doing. I think that oh, he had, really? he'd only spoke with the DM about that and. Nobody else knew, so he he kind of the DM knew what his his character's motivations were, oh, but really? nobody okay. else did. So when he pulled what he did, everybody else was like, "Yeah, yeah," and then they realized that that there was something else going on, and it was too late for them to intervene and, and stop him from what he did. Oh, and wow. I, I don't want to give it up because <laughs> I don't know it all completely. Plus, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't already listened to it before. So. Uh, I would be one of those people. <laughs> yes, so and I'm slowly making my way there. It, it's a, it's. It's a long journey. Like you said, it's 100-plus episodes to get there. And those episodes are not... They're not short. They're not no. half-assed. They're like four-hour... Oh, wow. They're that long on their podcast side, too? Actually, I, I don't know how long the podcast is, then, if it's shorter than... I know they're... I think the couple, first couple that I've been listening to are about a, an hour and a half or so. Okay. They're, um, what I saw was... Or what I've been going through is they're like sort of YouTube videos. And those right. are like nearly three to four hours long each session. But they were doing them once a week, though, right? Yeah. And that's that's probably why, because they went, when they would sit down and play, I'm assuming it's, like for me, because I think I've said this before, D&D to me is not just a game. It's an event. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it means something to me. It's like watching the Olympics every week and not being bored, because yeah. every week, it, you know, it's, it's called the Olympics, but it's a different game in the Olympics every week. Yeah. You know, yeah. something else is going on, and... Oh, this week you gotta fight this son of a bitch, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like I feel like D and D is meant to be like this, definitely this weekly sort of thing. It's like your favorite TV show. Yeah, and it, you, you you want it to be there every week. I agree. I look forward to it. Yeah. And when I Mike says that he he prepares hours before his session. So, but he's probably got to extrapolate it out where he wants to go and how long mm-hmm. things will take. 
I usually put my thing together completely before the dice roll the first night. Oh, which right. I think this time I'm going to do it a little different. I think I, I won't go so far out mm-hmm. because when you guys were playing the last one, some changes were made mm-hmm. in the uh, when you guys were at the sanctuary, the Shadow Mages, and you guys were going to let the guy out of the cage, and somebody was going to go into the Blood Vault and deal with this guy and, and things. Mm-hmm. And it's like I didn't plan on that. I didn't yeah. see it. So for me to have gone that far ahead of that and not counted for that fork in the road, I just had to like modify as things went along the line. So, which is nice. I mean, it stretches your imagination. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of in the the same boat as as Mike. Uh, I think I when when I started DMing, I was like, okay, I have to have all of this stuff prepared, and then within two three sessions, like I had to throw away most of it. So yeah. I decided, like, all right, I'm just I'm just gonna have to prepare like the week before and hope that that's that's one thing about stuff. about players is they do things that you don't expect. You can't at predict all. them. You know, like you if you're gonna give them one way in t- to a particular place, they'll find another way. So the best thing is to present three ways, and they'll probably choose one of those three ways. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, that is true. Like that that um, town of Ironclaw. There was so many ways you guys could have gone into the prison. And I was, all right, well, let's present a few different ways and see which one of those you want to choose, you know? Because yeah. if I said just go through the front door, you know, you would have slaughtered the guards, told, stole their cloaks, and, you know, or done this or that, or, you know, it's just, <laughs> it was a whole. And I, I think that we had ended that one session right before you were almost going to go into the sewers, and I hadn't created uh, any type of an encounter or under mm-hmm. thing. So, like, I prepared that the next week. I'd already had it prepared. So if you guys went down there, and you guys didn't go down to the sewers, and I'm like, all right, I just prepared all this shit, and nobody did anything, but that's fine, you know, it's like, but to, to give that option of, of having more than one venue to go through, I think that's important, yeah. too, because otherwise people are just like, well, you're just running me through one door through the next, you know, is there yeah. anything more to this? No, you, know? you you have to give some agency to the to the players, like, they have to feel like something that they're doing is impacting the world, right? right? And I agree, I mean, because you might think that they would take advice from this old sage when reality says they're probably going to kill this guy and he's got <laughs> the information that you need and you just laid this fool out and it's like yeah uh, I believe I had a murder mystery that I had them do and they, they found the murderer and they killed him right away and then immediately afterwards they're like why did they do that like why did, why did the murderer do things that way I was like well you, you could have talked to them you could have you could have learned anything at all about the situation and it just completely went sideways that's hilarious I like that well are we done yeah I think so all right well I'm Brian and I'm Kush and thanks for listening to roll the hard 20 podcast have a good evening